Hey listeners, today's episode is brought to you by Twisted Intimacy. Do you love what you see in the mirror? Do you want to build your self-confidence in and out of the bedroom? Twisted Intimacy offers unique classes, workshops, and events that helps women and couples lay the foundation of their intimacy journeys to increase confidence and communication within themselves and with their partners. Each event is structured around the foundations of intimacy, love, and sexuality. Are you ready to begin your intimacy journey? You can sign up with Monica M. at TwistedIntimacy.com. That's www.TwistedIntimacy.com. Check her out and let's start the show. Uh, healing is weird. What's up, everybody? And... Welcome to another episode of My Great Podcast. I am your host, Tamika, and this is But Here We Are. This is a podcast about my mental health journey and how I made it through all the crazy trauma over the past 10 years um, because it's been a wild ride. And this is my way of documenting it now because writing a book was just becoming too much and I was really getting in my head about it so we decided to create a podcast Um, this is episode number three where we are going to dive into family and friends and acquaintances and a few stories about how I was able to navigate how I felt during the times of my trauma and during my time of grief too um it's a way for me to finally talk about it and get it out there um, and finally get this off my chest. You know what I'm saying? So if you're new to the show, uh, the first two previous episodes um, is just my pilot, a quick introduction. And then the second episode is where I brought my mom on the show and we had a whole open discussion about my eight and a half month long hospital stay. And I promise, I didn't mean for that episode to be that long. My mom and I, we kind of just pressed record and just kind of got to talking and it just kind of went from there. So that episode, I swear, did not mean for it to be an hour and like 24 minutes long. That was not my intention. But here we are. So I hope everybody liked my mom being on the show. We still have so much to unpack when it comes between her and I like there's a lot that even after us we stopped recording and we're just talking about the show after it was over that um kind of got my mind spinning and that's when I thought it was time for me to go ahead and jump into the episode about navigating family friendships um acquaintances people just random people you know too and how awkward of situations those were for me um how I was let down by a lot of people who I thought were really close to me and trying to figure out life um when you've had to like switch it up you know and switching up the people around you is is important when you're on a mental health journey because you don't you well I don't want to say you don't you have to be very selective because things can be triggering and that's what I've learned over 
the time of going through my own mental health journey and talking with a therapist and, and doing the work um, to stay as sane as possible, okay? Because it is hard. It's hard. So for this episode of family and friendships and acquaintances, I'm trying to figure out where do I want to start? Good gosh. I'm going to start with family. I'm going to go ahead and start and get family out the way because it's not a lot to really touch on. Like, when it comes to my family, um, I had amazing prayer warriors and people on my side that were really supportive during a lot of my trauma. And and when I say my trauma, I'm only talking about two events, just two events that really changed me and how I, my outlook on life and what I wanted my life to look like. So that is only over the course of this 10 year period that we've been talking about. So during the first or like the beginning of the whole hospital thing, my family was very supportive. I had a really big church following behind me from multiple churches in the city, which is wild to think about. Um, me and my mom forgot to talk about um, a few of the parishioners like in the city that would come up and like pray for me during the time when I was unresponsive. And it was so crazy, you know, to think that I had all these people coming by and they're just throwing so much love um, just through the church itself with me just being, you know, they church babies as as they like to call it, um, because that's that's been a part of my genetic <laughs> makeup in my family, like churches is, is a thing. Um, so it was a lot of that. But my family was supportive. I want to say the thing that I really would wish my family would have done during the hospital time was to just be there like and not say much you know opinions and and what they think and all this stuff can get in the way when what we really need to do is everybody just just send positive thoughts that she can get through this we're gonna you know just listen to what the doctor's got to say see what the best treatment is if we feel like we got to get a second opinion to just do that but ultimately my mom is in the driver's seat at the end of the day and whatever she says went and I trusted my mom to make the best decisions on my behalf because that is my mama and she knows me best as her child so I really just wanted my family to take a back. And a lot of them did their part. They did. You know what I'm saying? They did their part with just being supportive and just being there, checking on my mama, asking her if she needed anything. And then there were some people that gave opinions when they weren't needed, you know. And I learned that later on where I really wish they would have just, everybody hush. Let my mama at least process what these people are trying to tell her so she can figure out the best decision for her child because she knows me best. But even even if that's still my mama and she in the driver's seat at the end of the day. So that's one thing I wish. Um, but other than that, everybody was very supportive during the hospital stay and they were there. And, um, you know, we just kind of went about life. You know, that was it pretty much. Now, some family, of course, you know, me personally, I just felt like moving forward, I just couldn't take them with me. And it's no offense. 
it's really nothing personal but in order for me not to be triggered by certain events of trauma certain pieces have to then start being removed and if that means removing people then I had to get to a point in in my life where I was ready for that to be okay because that's hard to do especially when it's your family you know um I don't know some people can do it with ease you know just cut people off for me it was it was kind of hard for me to do you know but for my own sanity and mental health I had to say okay they can't come with me because of xyz and we just got to be okay with that so we made those decisions and we moved forward now honestly there were no conversations had to let them know that's how I was moving it was just kind of like we've gotten over this appreciate all that you did or whatever (laughs) if you did anything I don't know um but this is where this is where we part you know and just kind of saying that in a respectful way because you got to remember these are elders we talking about right I'm only in my 30s these are conversations that I've had with people in their 50s and 60s (laughs) years old that they don't kind of understand all the way what mental health really really means either like you know what I'm saying let's keep it let's keep it hot so me trying to be respectful enough to tell them that they are kind of damaging to my mental health (laughs) it's a hard conversation to have to somebody who's twice your age you know what I'm saying how do you tell them like you toxic yo like how do you tell them that (laughs) but I had to figure it out holding this person to a high regard because they've been there right in our adolescence they have been there for all our milestones before um all of that so you're expecting when something traumatic happens like you spend eight and a half months in the hospital you would expect that when my mom reaches out to you and tells you what's going on that you would like follow up every now and then right if this love that we say we have is is supposed to be that you know or what i'm what i'm what i'm excuse me what i am assuming is the type of love that we share so when this time goes by and you never call back after she calls you and i find out about that like that's damaging yo like it's damaging and i was hurt like real hurt i was real hurt and i had to figure out how to move forward now they called me like shoot a year later after getting out the hospital like we talking like I had graduated and everything from from SU like we was all that all that they called me and I still hadn't gone to therapy yet and I was still quite angry about what happened to me in the hospital a little bit maybe a lot a bit okay maybe a lot (laughs) And I hadn't got to a place where I could express that anger in a not angry way yet. So whenever somebody from a terrible connection to that trauma 
would like say something to me or like trying to be cool with me again or whatever I would lash out I would project that anger to just like go after him you know and that wasn't healthy so the first time they called I didn't give him a chance to even really talk to me um I just didn't want to speak I just immediately went off firing all, all cylinders like went off and hung up the phone and we never spoke again but they kept reaching out though and I just would ignore their phone call I would so time passes now we've gotten to where five years have passed and and I was given like a task from my therapist you know she's like you know we got to start getting to a point where some of these loose ends we can start tying up with how you feel so they're not triggering moving forward and one of them was this person so I was like you know what the next time they call I'm gonna pick up the phone and we're actually gonna talk lo and behold they called like it was crazy because they I they had stopped calling for a while yo like they had stopped calling for a while and then like randomly after I mean I guess that's how it worked <laughs> but like after we had that conversation with my therapist they called and I was like dang I gotta pick up the phone like we talked about it we gotta do the work right so I pick up the phone and I decided to approach it with an open mind this time because we've grown we've we've grown and we had a great conversation and we tried to reconnect and we we talked about some things and, and we decided to give it a try on moving forward to see if we could salvage this relationship and time went by and we you know would call each other every now and then and it just was awkward it was really awkward and that's when I knew that they couldn't move forward with me on this journey they couldn't because I was no longer the person that they knew because so much time had passed but I also realized that this connection us parting ways from here on now was actually like it was okay I was okay with being the bad guy if that meant moving forward with my, with my mental health and not having that anxiety and stuff speaking to them anymore and being triggered if that's what that meant then this is where we split and if that if you want to call me the bad guy you are entitled to feel that way but on my side I am also entitled to feel the way that I feel and unfortunately we can't move forward with the relationship on my end it's just not there and that was a hard conversation to have it was so hard to have be and and, and I I did I, I cried about it and I'm not really a big crier but I love them I do but every time we would get on the phone to try to reconnect it wasn't doing anything but just feeling like that heavy I would feel that heaviness on my shoulders of the past and I was like that's not we're not going to feel like that moving forward we promised that we weren't going to do that 
So if that means that unfortunately this is where we part, then that's what it's got to mean. And we can't be afraid to have those conversations with people that we feel that anxiety or stuff like that because we have to work on a better us first before we can be available for anybody else. And surprisingly, they understood where I was coming from. Believe it or not, having a tough conversation and, and, and being so afraid to like go there and and just tell them how I feel and just getting over that fear and just doing it and having a hard conversation in a respectful way. Because we can do that when we choose to. I was able to have an, a conversation to where we healed at that moment and realized that we don't know what this means for our relationship in the future. We don't, you know. But we can respect each other enough to to respect each other's feelings and, and respect each other's boundaries, the boundaries that you're setting. And I was grateful for that in that moment that they allowed me to be open and, and explaining like I've been on this journey trying to get back to a different me or even if it's a new you back old you it doesn't matter you're doing what's better for your mental health and unfortunately you are triggering to that and I can't have you move forward with me so that was a really hard conversation that I was have but I was happy that they respect the boundary that I was setting um and that's all I wanted that's all I wanted was them to just respect the boundary that I was saying. And it was no offense. It was just we grow out of stuff. And it's okay. Sometimes we have to end relationships. And that should be okay. <laughs> it should be. But we should also be able to to effectively communicate that to one another. Without it having to be a screaming match. Or us being angry or holding a grudge or doing stuff like that and oh boy we'll unpack grudges when it gets when we get to friendships and stuff but this is just me being open about hard conversations I've had to have on my mental health journey um to sometimes end ties with people when it's a toxic or triggering or whatever you want to do and doing it in a way and really getting your point across and being like I understand that you may want this relationship but I don't anymore and it should be okay for us to say that so whoo that was a lot it's kind of heavy oh my god no but I'm excited at the same time I hope you guys like it I really do um but we're gonna pause right now for a commercial break I'll be back um but yeah commercial we'll be back Hey everybody, I just wanted to say right now that all of my listeners can enjoy a 30-day free trial with Audible. That's right, you heard me right. All of my listeners can enjoy a 30-day free trial through Audible to listen to your favorite podcasts, read your favorite books, and do so much more. Um, Their streaming platform has access to thousands of titles you can listen to whenever wherever so head over to audible and enjoy your 30-day free trial terms and conditions do apply y'all know what i'm talking about but enjoy 30 days for free and head over there the link can be found in my link tree and in the description box of this show so let's get back to it 
Welcome back to the show, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it so far. Um, this part of the show is going to be about friendships and acquaintances over the past 10 years and how my trauma affected a lot of relationships and some of them not for the good. Like, I wish I could say the same people who were in my life in the beginning are the same people in my life now. But they're not. Um, And a lot of those decisions I made to remove people out of my life. And then some people disappeared. Now, for those people who like disappeared, I know half of the reasons why those people disappear. And it's cool. Um, Some people that I've lost contact with or whatever... I don't really know why we stopped, like, talking. It just became a point, like I was saying before, where I realized I couldn't move forward with those people, you know. And it's it's no offense, but life changed, you know. I still have love for some of those people, but, you know, I just feel like what we have now as a friendship or an acquaintance is what's best, you know. Um, especially because I don't feel like like reconnecting with people and then having to go through the past 10 years of what happened. Like, I don't feel like doing that either. You know, it's been a lot. I'd rather just leave things where they are and just continue to move forward and just have a mutual respect that, you know, you got your life. I got mine and it's OK, you know. Um, Friendships really didn't start getting reared until... 2000 and I believe 17 um that time it's hard for me to still put into words in like to this day um that grief not only affected me but it also affected those around me Um, and I could see it, you know, and it it made it even hard to move forward, seeing the people you love or relate to, or you cool with also be affected by the same grief that's holding you down. And it's hard to say you want to stay encouraged and be encouraged, you know, keep them encouraged when y'all all grieving over the same thing. Like it was, it's it's hard for me to explain, you know. Um, and I had, I just got to a point where I needed to turn everything off, right? And I needed to go into what I like to consider protection mode. Of myself like I just dipped just dipped out um and I just decided to you know get off social media not talk to nobody because it was a lot going on so in 2017 um I lost someone very dear to me right I'll just leave it at that um this is well I want to say I'll leave it at that like it's not a secret, right? Um, 
I lost my fiance in 2017. And what I thought was one of the hardest moments of my life, overcoming everything that happened in the hospital, I was not prepared for that. Like, nobody is prepared for those moments. So, you know, trying to get through the funeral the best I could with all the stuff that was going on with trying to get that together. Um... I appreciate all of the love that everybody showed me during that time um, because we all lost someone very special. But what I needed most was room to breathe. I don't think people really took the time to think about the magnitude of people that were reaching out to me. I don't think people actually sat back and thought about it. Like... (laughs) You got the sorority, you got the fraternity, you got the school, you got their family, you got my family, you got my friends. Like, my village was so big, bigger than I could have imagined it being during that time. However, it was very suffocating and very overwhelming. Like, my phone would not stop ringing sometimes notifications just would come and even though it was something as simple of a of you know just thinking about you message I was receiving 15 of those a day sometimes and it just was so overwhelming to every day be constantly reminded that you're going through this um thing you know but on the flip side the reason why I say I just needed time to breathe and and to kind of be alone to figure out what my next steps my excuse me my next steps were going to be was because outside of everybody checking on me I have to wrap up wedding stuff I have to get deposits back I have a dress to take back I have people in North Carolina to call to get deposits like for apartments and houses that we were looking at like we had so much stuff going on I had so much work to do so when I came home I didn't chill after it was over I immediately had like all these loose ends I had to tie up before like I lost my money like then people didn't care well I take that back the wedding dress um company cared you know but everybody else didn't care like they didn't care they was just like oh so well you got a deposit down and we got your money like and it was just a lot to deal with and I'm sitting here like wow is is this really what the world is like when somebody's grieving especially in this kind of situation um I remember one vendor didn't even tell me like sorry for your loss it was just like oh yeah we'll mail your check and like that was the end of the conversation I don't expect it But it's just in moments like that, a little empathy can go a long way, you know. So it's while I'm dealing with that and my phone is constantly ringing and I got to figure out what my next move is going to be. I just needed everything to just stop. I need everybody to shut up. I need everybody to leave me alone. (laughs) Like that's where my mind was at. So I turned off my phone. If, If it wasn't work church and home you didn't see me like you just didn't and I was okay with that 
Now, a lot of people didn't take too kindly of me taking time for myself. That's the best way I can say it. Like they didn't think too kindly of me wanting to take time for myself, you know, to grieve properly. Um, I had a few people completely ignore the fact that I was even grieving. As soon as I came home, it was like, oh, okay, so now that you back, girl, we got X, Y, and Z to do. Do you think you can come over and do this? And I need your help with that. And I'm just like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> I can barely think. When I wake up in the morning, I'm completely lost. Like, my, I, I was lost. With What was I supposed to do with my life now? So I was struggling with the, you know, trying to be kind enough to tell people like, you know, I understand you need me right now, but I'm just not really up to it. If you give me some time, I can reach out to you later. Just give me like a, you know, a couple weeks or so, because I knew that I, people needed my help and I have work to do and I had all these things, but I just needed some time to reassess what it was that I needed to do for me. And I wasn't given that a lot. So now that I think about it, I didn't handle those situations the right way. Because I, I immediately just started snapping. I did. I just started snapping and my words hit deep. Like they cut deep to some people to where we don't even talk no more. But I realized at that moment I was okay with being the bad guy. Because my mental health needed it the most. Because it was like, you weren't being considerate of what I was going through. So why should I even be considerate of you? You know, and that was the wrong idea to have. But what else was I supposed to do when I'm trying to tell you nicely that I'm not here right now mentally? And you just, oh, well, I can understand that. And, or you tell me like, oh, I've lost somebody too. Like this, though? I don't think so. Like, I know you haven't. I know you. Oh, I've lost somebody, too. Ugh. Y'all. We have to think about what we say to people. You know? And at that moment, my heart hardened completely. I was like, these people ain't here for me. They don't care. You know what I'm saying? I'm over here literally hurting. And I'm I'm doing what people told me to do. Use your words. Express how I'm feeling. We're supposed to be family. We're supposed to be friends. And you act like, yeah, what I said just kind of went one ear and out the other. And you were there. You were there at the funeral. You were there by my side. Like, that's what's crazy to me. You were there during the whole thing. But when... A week passes, we supposed to get right back to how things were. It really doesn't work that way. So I was really disappointed in some of my friends' reactions after the funeral and, and things that I was going to, to where I had to end some relationships with people. And I was okay with being a bad guy doing that. And that's why I named this episode that. Because at first I was like, dang, man, like. I didn't want it to be like that. But had you just thought about me in that moment instead of yourself, things kind of probably could have been different. But I know where you stand now. 
So it's up to me to figure out how I want to move forward with you. And I'm choosing to move forward without you because we don't need that type of negativity. We don't need that type of thinking like we don't need that right now. So I had to do what I had to do. Um, I had a lot of great friends that gave me space and would still check on me or call my mom. You know, they'll be like, you know, I know she don't want to talk to nobody, but like, is she good? And that was fine. I was okay with that. You know, people cared and I understood that, but I wanted people to understand that I just couldn't at the moment. I just couldn't do anything, you know. So we get past that and some time goes by and I'm doing the work in therapy like I actually went and got a therapist this time because I had a breakdown from talking to those people and arguing with people and cutting our relationships to the point where I looked at my mama like I gotta go get help because if not I'm gonna lose it like I'm gonna lose it so I find my therapist and I find one I can be consistent with and we start doing the work and, and things are going great. And I'm slowly trying to reintroduce myself around people and do things that make me happy. Just so I can kind of like distract my mind. Like, you know, just taking baby steps to be back into <laughs> civilization, you know. So I decided to go to homecoming. And I'm going to tell you all right now, that was a bad idea. Me coming to homecoming, I think in 2018, I think I went in 2018, was a bad idea. I should not have been at homecoming. I know it didn't look like I didn't want to be there, but on the inside, I I had so much anxiety and feelings and I hit, depression hit me hard and I knew the work that I was doing was going to take a while. You know, I knew the work I was doing in therapy was going to take a while for me to overcome these feelings. But I mean, hey, we had paid for the flight. We were we were already there. So we had to see it through. You know what I'm saying? We had to we had to see it through. So I'm trying to enjoy myself at homecoming and reconnect with those that I was cool. You know, we cool with in college and just have a good time because that's what homecoming is about. But every time I would run into somebody to, you know, just be like, oh, hey, it's been a while. They would immediately, like some people would immediately burst into tears as soon as they saw me. <laughs> and that made it completely awkward. It was so awkward because I was trying to do the work to move forward and to get to the point where I wasn't crying all the time anymore. And I could be out or I could talk about him in a way where I wasn't sad and we can laugh about the good times. Like, you know, just be better grieving or what we hope to be better at grieving but then I run into people on the yard and it's like hey Tamika and then like boom you're crying which let me believe like okay so you're not you haven't started healing either and that's when I realized okay so nobody has really healed from this grief very well Everybody's having a hard time. But that made it hard for me to be around everybody. Because I had decided to start doing the work to move forward. And 
when I'm seeing you and you're, you know, crying, I'm like, whoa, whoa. Cut it out, because then if you cry, then I'm going to cry, and then we all going to be crying. I'm not going to want to be here no more. All I'm going to think about is this, and I didn't want that to ruin my time. So I kind of was just trying to be on the yard, but not really do too much. Um, I was trying to stay as far away from the band as possible. I was. And I was like, okay, you can do this. Like, we can be strong enough to do this. We can. We can be strong enough to do this. But the moment that I knew I didn't have it and that coming back to campus and school and being around the people that connected us together was when TBS and KK Size sang Around the Tree, the plot. We were on the plot singing. And I can no longer hear KK Size sing that song anymore. I can't. I love my brothers. I do. Um, but when I, when I hear that song, it takes me back to the funeral every time, every time. And I, I had a complete meltdown on the plot and God bless them, them poor Neos, Jesus. I was, (laughs) I was holding, you know, hands with two neos on the side of me and i am in tears neither one of these young ladies have no idea why i'm why i am crying and the next thing you know you just see 18 deep come out of nowhere and was like excuse us excuse us and they just like bear hugging me and they, they looking like did we do something wrong and i am so sorry nobody did anything wrong it was just a lot it was very over overwhelming to be back on the plot for the first time um after all of that and I just couldn't hold it I just couldn't hold the tears back anymore I I just couldn't so I'm so sorry <laughs> that you kind of got moved out of the way <laughs> um but it was a lot going on and that's when I I just was like yeah it's going to take me some time to get to the point where I can come around and be around my people again because we all needed each other we did um, I wish I would have been strong enough to be around a lot more to get so we could all get through it together. But I wasn't. I don't know if I should apologize for that or not, because I did see everybody hurting. Like I said, I did. But it's like, how can I help you when I can barely help myself? You know, so that whole time is when things really got sticky with friends and stuff like that. And I had to make decisions to start removing people out of my life. And then I became closer to people I never thought I would become closer to as well. Um, And I appreciated that. Because when you start having to remove people that you thought was your ride or dies and stuff like that and then you left like okay so can I not trust anybody because I'll tell you this like some people that would try to call or check in on me or or send me messages I thought they were doing it out of you know love really checking in on me but then immediately the conversation will go to so tell us what happened that's none of your business none of your business And I felt like that was 
completely out of line for people to ask me that too. You know, I made a pet to not tell anybody about none of the situation. And I will, I'll still hold that true to today. It's nobody's business. Um, period. So, the whole thing for this segment of the podcast is to let people know some of the hard decisions that I had to make during some of the roughest times in my life. But making those hard decisions have gotten me to the point now where we're, we've done the work and we're seeing the return of me removing people and, and letting go of that toxicity and really trying to focus on myself, my mental health and healing over trauma. So that way we can move forward with the people who we love and the people we care about and those that are actually there and understand you. And sometimes they're hard conversations. Sometimes we don't want to do it. But I encourage everybody to do the work, seek out the help, because this journey is hard enough and we don't need to overcomplicate it. We don't need to make it, you know, more stressful than what it already is. And we don't need that outside, you know, interference either. And if you got to make the hard choices to say, okay, you can't move forward with me on this journey I'm on, be okay with being the bad guy. Because I'm, I've always been okay with being a bad guy from that moment on. I, I, I don't care. So I encourage everybody to do the work. Um, this has been a really great episode, especially me getting out grief. And the next episode, I am going to um, start talking about those seven stages of grief. Especially from somebody like me. You know, they were calling me like a widow. Like, oh, y'all. Ooh, I can't wait till we get into it. But I'm going to talk about the seven stages of grief. Um, and I specifically want to point out the seven stages of grief for um, people to understand that there are stages. And I, I would see... A lot of things that I was going through in TV shows and stuff when it came to grief. I'll just say WandaVision was hard. Whew. WandaVision was hard to watch. Um, but we got through it. Because my girl, that's my girl, Wanda. She been through a lot, man. Um, That was so random for me to just say that right now. But this is my podcast. But anywho. We're going to talk about the seven stages of grief coming up in the next few episodes. And those can be... Um, use when you lose anybody anybody doesn't matter who that person is to you everybody goes through grief you know and everybody grieves different and we just need to understand that you know it'll make it'll make things so much better if we would just be more understanding about things you know and no it's not all about you sometimes but I'm excited on this journey to take you all with and I hope I'm being as open and honest as possible um somebody asked if i would take questions and i'm trying to think like i don't know if i'm the appropriate person to answer y'all questions i feel like y'all actually need a mental health professional i don't i'm not that i'm not that mm -mm. 
Um, I need to start putting disclaimers on these doggone episodes too. So y'all don't think this is something <laughs> like this is some therapy session for yourself. Everybody need to go get help. Everybody. So um, thank you for listening to this episode. Can't wait until the next one. I got a lot of things in store for this podcast. Um, I just hope it does well because it has been a long journey for me. And I'm just happy to share my story with everybody and some of the things that I had to do to move forward to being or having a more peaceful and happy life. So we will see you next Thursday. Don't forget to check out all my affiliate links um, as well as uh, check out all of the business owners that I'm supporting right now. I still have room for anybody that wants um, a commercial for my show. Please remember to go. But here we are five at gmail.com for any speaking engagements um any inquiries you may have and then also visit my link tree on all my social media that has all the links to where you can listen to this podcast and then it has all the links to all of the products and things that i'm supporting so check me out next thursday you guys i cannot wait and i hope everybody has a wonderful week